Hello everybody, it's 40k lore time, and we're gonna learn about things and waste all your time. Hi, so welcome back to Foxtrot Battle Line. Uh, first off, give us a follow on our Instagram at Foxtrot Battle Line 5198. And you can email us with any questions or any concerns or uh, anything at all at foxtrotbattleline at gmail.com. Um, and with that being said, um, today's episode is basically an introduction to as much as we can cover of all of 40K. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, what is 40K. We're going to go over each individual army, how they play, their basic lore. So if you're new to the game, use this as a resource. Or if you want to try out another army, you know, use this as a resource to sort of, um, you know, get a brief overview of the army so you can uh, move forward and make, you know, get more in depth uh, with those uh, certain things. So that being said, um, today I have Josh and Corey on the line and um, Corey wanted to start off. So I'll hand it over. Just uh, saying, hey, this is Corey. I'm back. If uh, my voice sounds a little better, it's uh, it's not the $100 mic I bought, but it's the nice new Abaddon model that's sitting here that's just raised up the bravado of my voice. Oh, yeah. So if I sound better today, I uh, just want I you all to know that a little failure in your voice. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, that's a... I'm not even going to go into that today. It's going to be a whole other time. But uh, if you can picture me right now, I'm sitting at my laptop... With my nice new mic and my nice new Abaddon model and my hair up in a top knot. So I'm feeling mighty sexy today, everybody. And I'm, mighty and sexy. I look for shame as you look at your bank account. <laughs> 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 Hi, friends. I'm Josh. Uh, uh, good friend of Corey's. Uh, new to the show. Uh, Steven, thank you for having me on. Oh, no problem. And uh, he will just, be our. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I was to say, just to say for Josh, he's. Uh, I've known Josh the entire time I've lived in New York, which is the better part of six years. He's a personal friend of mine. He's a giant nerd, and he's definitely oh, yes. the first nerd in New York that I locked eyes with, and <laughs> said to myself, "This guy gets it, and it's okay to be this way." <laughs> so that's that's who Josh is to me, and uh, I'm hoping to garner him her, him into this world mm. that is 40k and uh he will be sort of acting as our questionnaire uh for things that maybe need a little bit more explanation that don't make sense or you know um for our listeners if you're new he is in the same boat so absolutely yeah. like i you hopefully you guys will be learning as much as myself today <laughs> um so to start uh do you mind if i ask you guys a couple questions uh cory did you want to do the quote first i wanted to read just a quick quote it's uh it's kind of the first thing josh i want to set the tone a little bit it's the first thing that most warhammer players read or listen to before they jump into the game uh, i was talking to steven about reading it today and we both realized it's the absolute first page in the rule book if you buy Every the main rule book <laughs> every edition like i didn't even have to find it it's legitimately the second you open it and i felt stupid googling it for like 20 minutes <laughs> so just to set the tone and I'll, I'll put my dm voice on real quick so uh, yes. okay <clears throat> for more than 100 centuries 
the emperor has sat immobile on the golden throne of earth. He is the master of mankind by the will of the gods and master of a million worlds by the might of his inexhaustible armies. He is a rotting carcass, writhing invisible with power from the dark age of technology. He is the carrion lord of the Imperium, for whom a thousand souls die every day, for whom blood is drunk and flesh eaten. Human blood and human flesh, the stuff of which the Imperium is made. To be a man in such times is to be one amongst untold billions. It is to live in the cruelest and most bloody regime imaginable. This is the tale of those times. It is a universe you can live today, and if you dare, for this is a dark and terrible era where you will find little comfort or hope. If you want to take part in the adventure, then prepare yourself now. Forget the power of technology, science, and common humanity. Forget the promise of progress and understanding, for there is no peace among the stars, only an eternity of carnage and slaughter and the laughter of thirsting gods. It is missing Ooh. one bit, but the, the final line is supposed to be in the grim darkness of the far future there is only war only war <laughs> yeah um <laughs> that is wow the, uh tagline the that last line especially you hear pretty much everywhere when 40k is involved every video game mm-hmm. that's 40k based that has that line <laughs> so um, yeah <laughs> Good job, Corey. <laughs> and um, I guess on that note, um, did you want to ask a couple of questions to just kind of get us off before we do a little bit more of a deep dive? Oh, I did. Um, hopefully my first question is not uh, too in-depth. Um, Corey had mentioned Googling earlier and feeling a little bit lost. Um, I did the same thing before mm-hmm. uh, you know, joining you guys today. Um What's the difference between Warhammer and Warhammer 40k? Ah, that's a great question, actually. Um, and a lot of people don't even think about that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Games Workshop has two or three um, war games that they manufacture. Um, the first being Warhammer 40k, the second being Warhammer, what's now called Warhammer Age of Sigmar or Warhammer Fantasy. A lot of people also call it because that's what it used to be called. And then a Lord of the Rings miniature game. So a lot of people will just call 40K Warhammer, which is a little misleading. But um, typically you see just the words 40 with a K and you know you're talking about the sci-fi game. So (laughs) Yeah, just to clarify, Warhammer is the fantasy world. Yeah, and 40k is 40k because it takes place in the year 40,000. Technically, the year 40, wow. but yeah, yeah. So that's okay. what 40k stands for. It's 40,000. And uh, nice. that far into the future, everyone's at war. Um, I mean, that's the very basic tenet of the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> when going well, forward and, and... with with every bit of this, the word grimdark seeps into every single nook and cranny that is 40k it is a world that is sad and distraught and war is everywhere there's not one happy place to be in the universe so that's just if you think of anything just keep the word grimdark in the back of your mind it is dark it is cold it is greasy and oily and uncomfortable times constantly everyone's at war envision it is the worst dystopian space (laughs) yeah um okay so i guess um yeah 
Go ahead. Sorry. Um, is this uh, one specific uh, genre? Like, uh, do you guys uh, does forty k primarily involve uh, mechs? Are there any? Uh, yeah, I know you said there was a there was a Warhammer Fantasy, but it's still in this uh, space version. Are there any you know uh, any magical elements, or is it pretty much all sci fi and tech? Yeah, so I'm actually going to hold off on that because we're going to go over oh, okay. s- something called chaos. Um, but yes, okay. there's a magic or magical component to it um, that you see in the gameplay as well. Cool. So we'll get there. Uh, so when so when you uh, when you go to like play 40K, Warhammer 40K, what what exactly do you need to play? That's a that actually segues into our first topic. <laughs> um, so, you know, basically we've touched on some of this, but you know, what is forty k? What do you need to play? Um, what do you need to do in order to play? So, um, those three questions I'll answer right now. So, forty k is a war game, um, but it's also an immersive hobby. So, what you need in order to play the game are uh, figurines or miniatures um little guys who represent a stat line um on the battlefield so they're comprised of units a unit can be a single person it can be 10 guys um all depends on what you're playing but basically from the start you go out you you know this is how i guess starting an army would work (laughs) um you go out uh (laughs) typically you'd buy a rule book for the main game and then you'd buy a uh, rule book for your army and then you'd get maybe a what they call start collecting box because those come with a couple units um, a character and you know you bring that home and you open it up and you'll quickly realize everything is in pieces on these plastic sprues so (laughs) um, here's where the immersive comes in (laughs) right so you're like oh shit they should have came together right no (laughs) Um, some assembly required yes all assembly required Um, so you basically you take them off the sprues with a pair of clippers which you'll also need and some glue and you assemble them following the instructions or you know you can customize them uh, to your own liking, but uh, okay. you put them together like Lego pieces, essentially. And yeah, yeah. So it sounds it sounds like a lot of work when you describe it out loud to people. It sounds yeah. like, hey, why I mean, do I have to do all this work? <laughs> it is, and for a lot of creative people, it's an outlet. And mm-hmm. what gets lost in the the barrier of entry when it comes to building your own army because you don't have to build them yourself. You can hypothetically go buy them yourself Mm -hmm. but you can go buy them for people who paint them for a living but it gives you that freedom and it's built into the game where you can make that army any way you want there's like there are game rules on how you should build them or like what you should put them with but at the same time you have free reign to build them in any position you want if you can make it work you have free reign to paint them in any color you want and make them really your own and that's kind of one of the big alluring factors of 40k for people like us is Mm -hmm. it's not just a game i play it's not just a game i get good at or a world where i can get get lost in the books but it's also something i can do for like hours a day and just sit and customize down to which way the head is facing what color the armor is 
what's on his base. The color of the eyes are, when, you know. Yeah, when you get yeah. to the table and you're ready to actually play the game and you set down the army that you built, the army that you painted, and you put that down on the table and you see somebody else look at it and their mm-hmm. eyes light up or your eyes light up and your heart swells a little bit and you just feel <laughs> that pride that this is mine, I own this, and I made this myself, and now we're going to play the game. There's a whole step of love that comes into that. So yeah. the barrier of entry, again, sounds a little crazy when you get into it, but it's worth it. And once you get used to it, you ne- you don't want it any other way. And just as a preface, uh, preface to, um, you can buy fully painted models, especially off uh, resellers or eBay. Um, yeah. So if that's preventing you from starting, don't let it. Uh, I do think that most people will enjoy the hobby more if they pour, you know, like Corey said, um, some of their own artistic. And mm-hmm. even if you're not artistic, um, you can make okay looking models. They have a lot of techniques um, for painting. But so you have your model, you build it. And then you paint it, and then you put a little bit of something on the base, and then you can field it. Is you could field it when they're just built, technically speaking. But a lot of players in the community who invest a lot of time into their models will tend to, you know, look down on that a little bit more. When you say field it, uh, do you, um, do you have like a, a map that you put them all down on, or do you just mean like it's ready for battle? Uh, yeah, I meant like technically it's ready for battle after you do okay. sort of the base painting. But uh, that's a good gotcha. question. So you mm-hmm. do play on a battlefield. Um, and battlefields are comprised, at least in 8th edition, it was a 4 by 6 table. And you have to put a certain amount of terrain on. Um, and then you play a mission um, that's in the book. And so the mission outlines your objectives, you know, how you score points. And where you kind of need to be on the battlefield, um, and it's different every mission. So that's how kind of the game works. It's like Josh, if you ever played Age of Empires or Command and Conquer, like on the computer, any of the those, yeah, it's yeah, well, Starcraft. Yeah, is very on the nose. Um, but it's turn-based strategy. Uh, uh, strategic gaming it's the yeah. same thing except you have to move the models yourself you don't just click a button that yeah, 3d yeah. aspect though i think is often overlooked there's also kind of like the poker aspect you know reading your opponent mm-hmm. comes into play when you're in yeah so, yeah um, and i mean it's meant to be like a community game so yeah. that way you can you know meet up with a bunch of people and actually play. I mean, I'm sure moving into this new world, uh, things will be different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, Um, Earlier you had mentioned um, when, uh, when you are starting and for someone like me, this is my uh, biggest hang up as far as like, you know, it's kind of like getting into comics, you you know, you're never sure where to start. Mm -hmm. Um, You said there is like a main rule book and then you get like a sub uh, secondary rule book um, for uh, whichever like army you, uh, you decide to pick. Yes. So there's the main rule book, which has the kind of basic lore, uh, at least of, the quote-unquote heroes of the game um Mm -hmm. and then each army has something called a codex um and sometimes they even have additional supplements um to the codex but essentially that codex is 
you know, and what we're hoping to provide today is an overview of armies. So maybe you're like, oh, hey, I want to go grab that codex. And that's when you mm-hmm. start to get into the deeper nuances of each individual army. Gotcha. Okay. So I think, you know, for now we've kind of covered some of the intro stuff. Um, so our next um, objective, I guess, here is to go over briefly each army and um what they do from a you know if you're new to the game we kind of want to describe how they play which may also involve us explaining a little bit more how the game works in general (laughs) but um you know i guess we'll start off Corey, uh with the imperium if you want to you know briefly go over the primary lore for all of the imperium yeah so Steven's uh, kicking this over to me because I'm a giant Imperium fanboy. I think I go to bed every night telling my wife the Emperor protects. She doesn't respond <laughs> <No>. anymore. <laughs> oh, in his she gets Imperium it. pajamas. <laughs> it's I roll over at night and I look at her and I just I don't even say it anymore because she knows what I'm going to say. And I can see it in her eyes that she really feels the that? same way. Do you really do that? <laughs> The Imperium is the main characters for... There's not a good term for who is the main character in 40K. There's not a good term for who is the good guy because it is the far future. It is grimdark. Everything is terrible. And there is no real one good guy or... The word protagonist is better than good guy for this. Also, you could think of individual heroes who in a really dark setting... Uh, encapsulate some greatness of spirit or ethics or you know something like that yeah in times of trouble see these heroes like in every game sorry to interject no that's fine uh they are in the games there are hero characters you can play as which is why for me like the lore aspect of the game like there is a backstory and every army has their own kind of stories that go into it and there's a storyline that changes with the models. The models change with them. So there are a lot of characters you can look to. So if you fall in love with one character, hence the mm-hmm. Abaddon model sitting on my desktop, um, <laughs> you can associate with them. Like I have my favorite character, and we'll go into this in one second because I'm jumping into Imperium, is Dante, who is the leader of the Blood Angels, which is one of the Imperium factions. And I have to play him every time. It doesn't mean I'm good at the game. It doesn't mean he's worth taking, but for me, it's rewarding to have that character to look to because he's one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. And with with that, we'll get into the Imperium. The Imperium of Man. It's the Imperium of Mankind. It's led by the Emperor of Mankind, who is this great godlike figure. He brought humankind together in a dark age of technology when the world's Mankind spread out across the universe, and then a big event happened that cast everyone to a dark age and created like a big cutoff between every planet. So every planet evolved a different way, and the Emperor himself then set back out to these planets years later after reuniting everybody and took them all back. And that giant expanse is the Imperium of Man. So the Emperor has sons. He has 20 sons. Two of them are dead. A few of them are dead. Twenty of them, two of them don't exist. There were twenty sons. There were eighteen when this started, and they each got a different planet 
and they each got a different army based on that planet. So every planet gives its own flavor. So there's one that okay, Stephen yeah. loves. That's the Dark mm-hmm. Angels that are knight-like. They're very medieval timesy. Um, there's there's another one like my army that are very they're desert people, but they're also kind of medieval Italy style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone. But. Yeah, so there's even like Mongols and Huns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So every time frame of history or weird thing that you have a niche for, Space Marines and the Imperium have well, a way for you. Yeah, so that's on so that cool. too, that's, yeah, you know, just, in a nutshell, the Imperium. So there's five factions of the Imperium. Um, I'll do this quickly. So there's Astra Militarum. That, that's a wing of the Imperium. So the Imperium is this big galactic empire of mankind. Um, imagine, you know, Rome-esque, uh, but spanning the galaxy. So um, there's yeah. different branches of the, kind of the way they function. So the first is the Astra Militarum, the army or and navy. That's, you know, kind of who they are in a nutshell. And look out, our next episode is, will be in-depth on them. <laughs> but... Yeah, Astra, Astra Militarum are spoilers. the human beings, the human beings of this universe. The non-enhanced humans, if you will. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for someone to connect to on a, on a mortal level, it's these people, yeah. sadly. And then you have <laughs> the Space Marines, the super, like Corey said, the superhumans who have these chapters with all these different flavors. And they each, um, I'll get into gameplay in a second, but they each function and uh, are on the battlefield in a different play style. So you have them. And then the third part is the Inquisition, um, which essentially in this far-flung future you have people who have psychic powers Uh, i'll still wait on that because we're almost there but um the inquisition (laughs) goes out to uh, basically remove heretics so people who are openly warring against the imperium or um have psychic powers and are kind of turning dark uh we'll just leave it at that for now uh, but one of the main branches is called of the Imperium is called the Adeptus Sororitas, or the Sisters of Battle. So uh, they're an all-woman kind of think. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the word for those, but monastery uh, with a bunch they're of like, nuns. They're uh, like warrior monks. <laughs> warrior, yeah, warrior nuns, nuns <laughs> is yeah. definitely the best word for them. So that's yes, kind of the queen. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the third <laughs> faction. <laughs> um, then you have uh, the what are called Imperial Knights, giant war suits who ha- actually have machine souls and um, have been around for a very long time um, and go to battle only when most needed. They're huge. If you Google Imperial Knight on your phone or internet or whatever, you'll see that they're very big models. Um, and then the last branch is what's called the Adeptus Mechanicus. They are these uh, dudes who worship the machine god. So um, they do a lot of biological enhancements, and their original planet's actually Mars. Um, so they live on Mars, and um, they basically make all the machinery and weaponry uh, and genetic um, yeah. stuff for the Imperium. They're like... If you took like a weird Cronenberg horror movie and mixed it with the desert people in 
Star Wars. The tattooing people who like have all the robots. You just see their eyes. Yeah. So they're a mix between a body horror movie and Jawas. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They don't understand science. They just pray to the machine gods. That's awesome. (laughs) And so, you know, you have these five branches of the Imperium and they all kind of work. Well, they kind of war with each other, but they, their main goal is to, you know, reunite the galactic human empire. Um, and I guess briefly, uh, Corey, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do like, just tack them off how they play on the battlefield and, yes, uh, Josh ask any questions. Um, cause this will start to get into actual, uh, some bit of introductory gameplay. Yeah. When so, talking about these, when talking about these things, uh, between me and Steven, Steven is more of the tactical mind where if you need a lot of background, it's on my side, we kind of balance ourselves with that. So Steven, if you want to. I'll let you go. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I kind of want to take these off as fast as possible. <laughs> um, so Astra Militarum, they play. So in the, I guess, let me try to summarize how a battle works. So please, when you go to a 40 K game, you bring your armies, which are comprised of units of models. And each of these armies is structured in a roster. Um, that does different things without diving too deeply into that. So you bring a bunch of units and these units have certain functions. Like some of them are fast uh, on the board. Some of them have a lot of gun firepower. Some of them have a lot of, you know, close combat firepower. So essentially there's, and then there's some psychic uh, people too. So there's a mix of all these gaming elements. And essentially what it is, is it's two people on opposite battlefields playing out these mission for what are called victory points. So each mission will tell you, oh, hey, you need to move up to this objective. And if you stay there for a turn, you gain a victory point. Or um, if you make it to the opponent's side at the end of the battle, you gain a victory point. And these are all different, but that's kind of the basic concept. So I guess question for yeah. you. <laughs> um, so someone, uh, as someone who comes from a uh, Magic: The Gathering type mm-hmm. world, um, and uh, do you have to like uh, like Magic? Do you have to kind of like uh, build up your your mana, or like is it kind of like a couple turns before you can really do anything or move anywhere? Great question. Uh, that depends on who you play. Um, so that's okay. all very army specific. However, one. Gotcha connection though to magic is learning how to um power up your army with other units so essentially learning how to make you know your army work you need to you have auras just like in magic um you have you know combos it's a huge combo game these days so um You have a unit, and that unit's souped up by a character, so you know you get more output of damage. For example, um, gotcha. Um, and in order to um, do you uh, do you move uh, kind of like a not trivial pursuit? Um, sorry, just blanked on the <laughs> no uh, <laughs> problem. Are you are you are you moving um, at the other army, or are you moving to a specific location, like on the board? I guess that would also kind of be. Um, you know, depending on like what 
uh, faction you are in the mission um so it's hugely yeah. important on the mission also what your units can do so for example okay. um you have some armies form gun lines and that's how they play so there's not a whole lot of movement um mm -hmm. But then you have other armies. I, I personally tend to play really fast armies. So my armies are almost always very mobile and in your face. Um, that's just my play style. So, yeah. um, you know, some you move in whatever direction you want to, theoretically. Um, okay. So it's all based in inches. So, you know, one squad will have a movement of like 20 inches or something. That's actually really high, but <laughs> um, theoretically, you know, um, so. Gotcha. And do you, do you roll for, for, uh, for moves uh, um, or is it just uh, turn based? You have a flat. So what the game is run in phases. So you have one player ba based on the mission. It'll tell you who goes first or second. Um, and I'm without getting too deep into the real mechanics of the game, you know, so you have one yeah. player who goes, they do their six phases. So each turn is comprised of each player's six phases. And the phases are your movement phase, your psychic phase, your shooting phase, your charging phase, your fight phase, and your morale or leadership to make sure pe people don't run away. So in the movement phase, you move. In the psychic phase, you cast your psychic powers, if you have any. In the shooting phase, you shoot. Um, in the charge phase, you make rolls to move into close combat. In the uh, fight phase, you actually resolve those attacks in close combat. And then in morale, um, if people in your units died, uh, you have to make sure the other guys don't run away. Gotcha. Does that make sense? <laughs> it it does it does it it does. Um, and do do you just uh, keep bouncing these six phases uh, back and forth, or is yeah. it kind of uh, you finish your six phases and that's it? Uh, so when both players complete each of those six phases, that's a turn. And okay. each game will be approximately between four and six turns. Um, it's all that's all also uh, very mission based. So some missions will tell you at turn three, roll a d6 on a four up, the game ends, or a four up, the game continues. So some are shorter. Okay. Or longer. So it's not like a, like <laughs> not like a an all day event uh, as uh, uh, I'm sure most people think it might be. No. So at first, expect to take some time playing your first couple games. Um, I know my first few games when I was really learning the rules um, were like three, four hours, um, okay. maybe five. Mine were six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get up there. Um, yeah. But that being said, once you learn the rules and learn your army, I play games in like an hour and a half, two hours now. Yeah, there you go. At full points. So sometimes three if something weird happens or if my opponent is really, really, really slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that was a great introduction to how the game works. So let me go over briefly yeah. how each of these armies in the Imperium play. So you have Astra Militarum. They're full of tanks and infantry gun line pretty standard gun line they're not too mobile but they can throw out a lot of firepower space marines um 
different across the board. There's so many chapters, and they all have these special units um, that I can't encapsulate them. But one general thing, Space Marines are tough. They're harder to kill. Um, and they can do a little bit of everything that every other army uh, can't do. So they're balanced uh, in a general perspective. Um, the Inquisition, uh, Inquis- Inquisition, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the Inquisition, um, Adeptus Sororitas. Um, I'm actually not too, I haven't played too many people, but they are from the past, they used to be like weaker Marines. Um, I've heard now they have, so they have a lot of prayers in their rules and these prayers will, they're like psychic powers that'll soup your units. And I've heard those are excellent this, this edition. So, um, that's them knights. They are huge. They shoot, they move and they're just giant mech in Renaissance or, you know, that kind of era base mechs. So. They're cool. They have great weaponry. Um, usually you don't see them by themselves. You'll see them with like another form of the Inquisition, like a knight in a space marine army, for example. Um, they add a little extra firepower. And then the Adeptus Mechanicus, they are a weird gun line. They do a lot of infiltration. They do a lot of sniping. They uh, have a lot of movement rules, but they also primarily shoot. So, any cool. questions on those? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was pretty, uh, pretty cut and uh, straightforward. Cool. Um, I, I guess uh, the uh, the customization comes in uh, that you were talking about here at the beginning. Um, that you can kind of mix and match your different uh, Imperium styles. Yes. I guess in this, you know, faction, you can mix and match uh, between you know, you're saying Imperial Knights and mm-hmm. the Sororitas, and yeah, and the that's Astros. a great point too. Um, we won't talk about army structure, Corey. I think that's a little too much, but you can make different groups of these and put them all into one army on the battlefield, at least for things that are aligned, like the Imperium's aligned, Chaos is aligned, and then certain Xenos have more than one faction as well. So, And Xenos means Generally, alien. And Generally gotcha. when building an army, you choose one of those factions mm-hmm. and that's that's a core army you choose from a vocab for the listeners would be a soup list so when building your army list if you pick and choose different pieces from different armies that are under the same umbrella like the imperium that's one big umbrella yeah. then it becomes a soup list where you're kind of picking what you want from different armies Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Right now, in eighth edition, that's really strong. Yeah. In the coming rules that are coming to us, it's going to be switched up. And what's called when you run one pure army, so it's called a uh, mono army, and that's just a term you hear, or a mono list. Um, so there's some slang. And <laughs> I heard you mention uh, uh, chaos and xenos. Are there are those uh, different factions? We're about to dive into that. So yeah. those are <laughs> two more umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Um, Corey, you want to dive into uh, the chaos? I would s- start with the four gods. <clears throat> yeah. So in the world of 40K, there are four main gods that Imperium itself are trying to wipe out. So they are at most times at odds 
with the Imperium. And the four gods are Korn, who is a very angry and he just he is the god of violence. He is if you ever hear from him and it's blood for the blood god, he is the blood god. Any blood that is shed, Korn doesn't care where it comes from as long as it's for him. There is Slanesh, who is a god created by the Eldar race, which is a Xenos we'll get to later. It's the god of basically uh, overabundance. If you just try to do something way too much, if you get into something a lot, it's the god of excess is the word I'm looking for. So a lot of sexual things are put on Slanesh. A lot of a lot of the people who worship Slanesh wants to be the best at something. They go t- too far. So it's the god of excess. The third god would be Nurgle. Nurgle is the god of disease. It's however you look at it, it's the god of disease and rot, but also the god of rebirth. It's a very natural. He's a very natural god, but it comes from the point of view of you are sick and dying. He creates the diseases that go out to the world. And the last god is, and how how do you say this name, Stephen? Because I hear it differently every Zinch. time. <laughs> Zinch. I like Zinch. I'm glad that you say Zinch too. All right. <laughs> so Zinch, Zinch, and we have this discussion because it's literally spelled like T Z E E N T C H T C H. Yeah. My spelling so Zinch, was way off on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a hard word. I've heard like a hundred different pronunciations on it, and this is the one time I won't address it with people because it's a crazy <laughs> word. But Zinch is the god of basically perpetual change. Zinch has a plan. Like think of him all change. Yeah, yeah. So Zinch's way is he has a plan. You don't know his plan. Only he knows his plan. Even the people working for him don't know his plans. So he can literally lose a battle, and that could be in his plans. Mm. There's a grand scheme that you're never going to be understood. There are people who worship him, who think that they're doing right, but really the people against him are like helping him. It's like a whole, you'll never know the hundred points. <laughs> I kind of like thinking of him. God of silver linings. <laughs> well, I, I kind of think of him as the god of time itself. Oh, okay. Um, just because, you know, change only occurs in, in time. So, um, if you don't have, you know, so he's the god of basically elapsed time. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of that, like, if you watch, like, an FBI movie or, like, a crazy mystery caper and there's a hundred twists. Like, M. Night Shyamalan worships Zeech. Oh, my God. Or is Zeech. <laughs> he's the, he's the, the twist ending god. I don't think of him that way, but... <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan? Well, I I think he might be Zinch. <laughs> After rewatch, uh, whatever that movie is. <laughs> um, I I guess like just since we're maybe disagreeing a little here, I like to think Zinch uh, is more of just like all of these gods embody some factor of mortality, and. Mm. I think that he is the god of just kind of duration itself. Um, like in a timeless universe with immortal beings, like Zinch wouldn't exist. Um, that's neither here nor there, and that's getting too deep. And my, I'm off topic. So Corey, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I do have a question though. I do have a question. Yeah. Um. So. With these being gods, um, would that put them over, like, the Imperium, who are, you know, more or less humans? 
Uh, that brings us to the imperial truth, Joshua. And this is why I say words like the emperor protects to my wife every night. The imperial <laughs> truth, the original imperial truth, and this I'm not going to go deep, I promise. The original imperial truth was time. that there are religion is not a thing. There's no religion. The imperial truth of the Imperium is that science is first and foremost. And this is said by a demigod that is the emperor who's all powerful, who's all knowing, who's this crazy thing, who's just standing here saying to his people, there is no gods. Science is the only god. Then the emperor gets taken out of the picture and he is now on a corpse throne where he is barely alive. And the new imperial truth has become the emperor is God. So the chaos gods are always trying to get at the Imperium, but the chaos gods are not over the Imperium because the god of the Imperium is the Emperor and the Emperor protects. They're kind of gotcha. always at war with the Imperium. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh Yeah, cool. Yep. Just cover on science, Morty rise above. <laughs> uh cover, you know, the space marines, the demons, and sort of uh basically chaos humans which is what i call the dark imperialists so you have the chaos gods and each of the chaos gods themselves kind of are their own little umbrellas they're under one big umbrella that is chaos that is the unmaking force the imperium is order the chaos gods are chaos so each one has different armies underneath them. And what the big making of the Imperium was, was that half the legions of the Imperium, half of the Space Marine legions led by the Emperor's sons, went evil at one point and succumbed to the Chaos Gods. They tempted them, they brought them over to their side, and they made war with the Imperium, which is the main storyline of Warhammer 40k, is this civil war that's been going on for 10,000 years. So with that, there's the Space Marine Legions that are the fallen legions of the Empire. And that is, we'll start off with Nurgle. So the, the Space Marine Legion of Nurgle is the Death Guard. They're slow. They're basically zombies. And they, they play are like that. Disease. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are impossibly hard to kill and they are impossibly hard to move in any direction because they aren't fast. Mm. And then, so under Slaanesh the god of excess there is the emperor's children who are they are sound marines they use sounds as their weapons they are very excessive there's always a weird sexual being about them they're that that uncle at the party you don't want touching your shoulder (laughs) (laughs) they love to get down it sounds uncomfortable (laughs) it sounds really uncomfortable because it is Okay, so next we have the Chaos God Corn, who underneath Corn is underneath Corn's little umbrella is the World Eaters. And the World Eaters are just berserker marines. They kill everything. They're basically that kind of angry weapon. You point at an enemy and you let them go. They they they're known in their history to even kill their own people, and some of their units even play that way. Uh they carry around chain axes they are the embodiment of just berserk murdering violence yeah violence yes violence personified is the world leaders the after that we have what's left zeech so zeech is 
underneath Zinch is the Thousand Suns, which if you like Egyptian type stuff, they are basically Egyptian space wizards. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, <laughs> I'm a they big fan of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so yeah. Sorry, Corey. Uh, no, go on. Uh, so I was just gonna say briefly to so we cover it. Uh, so all of chaos and the fallen marines reside in this realm called the immaterium, which is basically a space of raw thoughts. It's think of it like it's the psychic realm or the magical realm in the 40k universe. And so when a sorcerer from any um, faction pretty much casts a psychic power, it comes from where the chaos gods dwell, which is called the immaterium or the warp. So um, that's a real brief, you know, and in the immaterium, I'll just cover this now too. We have demons who reside there under each of the gods. So, yeah, the warp is the gods plane we're on our plane this is the human plane this is reality the warp is basically the word was used as immaterial but it's also unreality it's the other side it's where they exist it's where hypothetically your soul yeah it's where the it's where your soul goes when it dies technically there's a bunch of different disambiguations about that but it's the other side it's the god's realm and a lot of our psychic powers and a lot of our quote-unquote magical powers which can be explained as scientific or whatever are pulled from the immaterium. Yeah. And so yeah, a lot of like units little... it's yeah, a lot of units and a lot of armies are based that what they're good at is based out of the immaterium. Mm-hmm. It fuels them. Yeah. And oh go ahead. Sorry, Josh. Oh no, I was just agreeing. Uh, mm. it's like a Doctor Strange type, you know situation where they pull their energy from this different dimension uh-huh yeah exactly and i'm I trying think... to be the relatable guy <laughs> yeah so with that deep inside of that immaterium is each god has their own place has their own layer and with each layer that they own they have their own demons and their own hierarchy of demon gods and creatures and stuff gods isn't the right word demon princes and mm. creatures underneath them so there's a whole extra army you can play which also mixes in with the other armies that are demons themselves. So Zinch has his own demons, which are basically weird bird-like creatures, but can be... You really have free reign with Zinch, because Zinch is just a weird... He's also got, like, flying manta rays. <laughs> yeah, everything he does is wow. just weird. If you want to do acid and then build a Zinch army, you're free to do so. I highly recommend Hell it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I the think I'm going to do that. <laughs> The corn demons are very much classical, like devil demons. They're very big. They're brutal. They're they got the big horns and the goat mm-hmm. feet. Uh, if you're thinking corn, you're thinking brutality. You're thinking big red monster demons. Diablo. If you're, two comes yeah. to mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, Diablo. Diablo is uh, perfect. Everything that is corn looks a lot like Diablo. Then. We have Slanesh, and Slanesh is trying to think on Slanesh. Steven, you're, you... Yeah, I know. Um, so imagine women with like 12 breasts. 
<laughs> Riding. I think weird. Okay, so now we're getting into Greek mythology now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> With like weird horn dildo arms. <laughs> if you read like Dante's Inferno mm. and you see like okay. the pictures from Dante's Inferno where people are getting tortured and put on a rack. And then yeah. you mix it kind of with Hellraiser, where it's like pleasurable for them. It that's a lot of Zinch demons. Yeah. They're like women with claws and nine harpies and yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. It's I think their their most known model right now, besides the Keeper of Secrets, which is a big weird woman creature. Their most known model is this this kind of nymph creature playing a harp. But the harp is made from a man that's bent over, and it's actually his nerve endings being pulled out into harp cords. Mm. It's that noise personified. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. (laughs) And then last we have Nurgle, who is a personal favorite of mine, and he is he is rot, decay, and disease. So his creatures are basically almost piles of shit. (laughs) They are piles of shit. They're, They're rotting diseases. A lot of them just look like him. Like yeah. there's a there's a, a vocab word and a term we use called nurglings, and they are mini nurgles, and they manifest. They grow from small small disease pox infested creatures that grow bigger and bigger until they become just great unclean ones, which are giant, fat, rolling disease monsters. With think actually Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know that green ghost? Okay, yeah. It oh, kind of look like that. Slimy. Slimy. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, cool. And then briefly, the last kind of note I had here was dark imperialist. So it's just the imperial guard, but have fallen to a cha- to chaos. So I'm going to go over briefly before we move to Xenos or the aliens, um, how chaos plays. So chaos space marines think normal space marines. They have they're tough. They can do a lot of everything, but they also can summon demons, and a lot of them are better in close combat. So, um, you can't play as the gods, um, but the demon hosts each kind of play like you'd imagine it, the god would play. So, Zinch are really fickle, they're quick, um, they have a lot of flamers, uh, flaming weapons, um, and keep in mind for all of these, they cast a lot more magic powers than their cousins from the Imperium. So a lot of psychers um, is what they're called in 40k. Um, so they have a lot more magical abilities. Um, Nurgle demons are slow, as Corey mentioned, just like their Space Marine uh, chapter. Um, but they are hard to kill and um, they're very tough. Um, Zinch, I already covered. Slanesh play... I don't... Honestly, I've never played Sl- Slanesh demons before. Like, against they them. are They are super fast. Mm. Uh, they attack... They're called a glass hammer, which is that they're super easy to kill, but they if you give them a chance, they'll kill you first. I've heard glass hammer before because I played Dark Eldar. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then the corn demons are close combat. Like, excellent like the bloodthirster which is a greater demon a big big demon dude of corn is like one of the better throughout every edition he's one of the better um close combat people in the whole units in the whole game so um any questions on chaos before we move on (laughs) just as a a quick Uh, note on that to cut you off josh I named a few Space Marine units in there um, just so that we don't get any viewers 
writing us things. There are other Chaos Space Marine units. They just don't mm-hmm. fall under any gods. They're part of Chaos God Undivided. They're Chaos Undivided. They don't follow any one god. There's a lot of them yeah. that follow multiple gods, or they pick and choose which gods. So that's not all of the legions, and that's not all of the armies, but those are the most specific ones, and those are the most playable ones. Yeah. Gotcha. We just wanted just to, to quickly brief. make sure I'm connecting my uh, my dots correctly mm-hmm. here. You, uh, when when building your army, you can cross um, Imperium and Chaos. No, correct? never. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So once once you once you choose your your big headliner, your small ones, they're the ones you can mix and match. Correct. Um, okay. Basically, cool. definitely. Glad I asked. Yeah. No, that's a great <laughs> connecting the dots okay. on this is more than okay. So. Um, <laughs> Now we're going to go into what are called the Xenos factions or aliens. So um, I'm going to take real quickly the Eldar and the Necrons because they're related in lore very closely. So um, so basically along and so the Eldar are ancient elves. First off, Necrons are robots. Um living robots uh very that's them in a nutshell if you're interested in playing them they both have very very cool models and plug to ninth edition which is around the corner necrons are getting a whole updated model line so uh, if you're interested in necrons it's an exciting time to be so anyways a long long time ago there are these two warring races or pantheons of gods you have the Eldar gods, and you have what were called the Old Ones, who end up being related to the Necron gods. So these warring factions were represented by these two races, and so these races naturally hate each other. <laughs> um, so you have these space elves, and what happens is they fall into decay. Their pantheon breaks down. A lot of their gods are murdered or flee. Um, one or two of them flee. Um and basically they're being hunted by the chaos god Slanesh from now on, who they also gave birth to through their own excess as a race. So essentially what happens is the Eldar become divided into three races. They become divided into the High Eldar or High Elves or Craft Worlds, and then the Dark Eldar or the Dark Elves or now the Drakari. And then something called the Harlequins. And now there's a fourth branch, but I won't even talk about that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> but um, so the Dark Elves, the Eldar end up creating this place between the Chaos Realm and the Material Realm called the Webway. And the Dark Eldar live on a planet of destruction, decay, and torture called Kamara. In the webway, the Harlequins end up retreating to the this big library called the Black Library that guards um, all of the knowledge of the universe. Um, and so naturally, that also becomes a point in the lore where people want to find it. And then the Light Elves or uh, Craftworld Eldar, their planets end up getting destroyed, and they make these big planet or you know multiple planet sized ships called craft worlds and they travel through space on those so 
in a nutshell, that's kind of what happens to the Eldar. I don't, there's a lot on Eldar and <laughs> <laughs> like I got sucked into it for like three or four months. Um, just reading all this stuff about Eldar and reading some of the novels that the games workshop produces. So I, yeah, in your previous episode, you mentioned it was like more in depth than the Silmarillion. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in Eldar mythology, just briefly because I love it so much, it's very like think like Silmarillion or like the Norse pantheon or the Greek pantheon. Um, it's it's a whole loo of these gods who do certain things, and then the people who worship them who end up you know fucking each other over in some way or. <laughs> Um, yeah (laughs) but essentially the eldar are a dying race and their whole goal is to survive so that's kind of their motive in the universe um the way they play they're you know like we glass what was that Corey? glass glass hammer hammer. hammer. yeah so (laughs) they play as a glass hammer through all their factions they're very not tough but they're super mobile they have a ton of psychic powers and I actually think out of a lot of the armies, they play, you need to know combos to play them effectively. So they play in a very like, you have this character, he makes him move, and then you use this, you know, strategy, and now he can jump across the board. So they're very like, tit for tat. Um, yeah. I wouldn't start them as your first army. Uh, maybe craft worlds, but they get pretty complex and you can draw from all three of the factions and just to mention it there's a fourth called the yanari who are the elves who worship uh, the god of the dead basically so i know that's a lot but (laughs) um that's how they play um if you want to know more there's a ton out there but we have a lot of xenos races to go through so (laughs) if you uh if you specifically have a hunkering for elves and you don't seem to find them in the 40k universe they are here in the eldar if you're an elf player (laughs) that's kind of my my slur for them i think they're just space elves yeah i think they're more so (laughs) but i do i do have a question though um before i for before i forget it um do you uh, like having having all this this rich lore to like be able to like have at your disposal so for for a new time for for a first time player is it a good idea to kind of like get yourself acquainted with a little bit of each of the different lores or is it kind of like that thing where you can like you know just be in your own you know imperium and then just you know read up about that and then learn as you play different people every time sorry right no that's a great question um so i think the purpose of this episode was to get a taste of everything but typically once you kind of know what's out there um you tend to get immersed at least at first in your army's lore so Mm -hmm. um for example i spent about i play dark angels which is a chapter of imperium space marines and mm-hmm. I spent, I don't know, all of quarantine, like, you know, eight hour days reading about this shit. So, no, <laughs> not that much, but <laughs> it was a lot. So, um, there's a lot there, oh, honestly. So, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, I briefly talked about Necrons. I'll move into them next. So, Necrons are space robots, they come from 
they have a relationship with these gods called the Catan, Catan, or the old ones. Uh, the old ones, I think, were before the Catan or gave birth to the. I don't remember that mythology, but it's a it's a complicated yeah complicated thing. There, I think of them as the worshippers of the old ones, of the Necrons. So originally they were a people, like in bodies, um, but their lifespans were really short. So they're like thirty years. Um, so they were always questing. Like 30 years was like old age. Um, so they were always searching for uh, search for immortality. Eventually, one of the gods ended up promising them that. And then too late, they realized that now they would have no souls and be trapped in mechanical bodies. That's kind of their whole uh, shtick. Um, oh, it's so depressing. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a sad story. Well, they're all sad stories at the end of the day. But well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, true. Um, <laughs> So they go to sleep and a long time ago and they're just so in the 40k universe they're just starting to wake up all these dynasties they're also based on kind of Egyptian culture um, all these dynasties are starting to wake up in terms of play style uh, Necrons are supposed to play so they have these thing called this rule called reanimation protocols Without being too specific, it means if a model dies, it repairs itself and gets back up. In most editions, in the recent edition, it hasn't been a great rule. So they play, they're supposed to be tough. Um, and they do play relatively tough. Um, they are a little bit mobile and they have really kind of deadly weaponry if you use it correctly. Um, so they're not quick, though. Um, most of the time, you won't see no. too many fast Necron armies. So. Um. Okay, I think that's them. <laughs> just to uh, to sum them up, Josh, just as a, a bridge to your more uh, popular culture things, the yeah. Necrons are like a Egyptian Cybermen. There's okay. they're much more yeah. complicated than that, but if you needed yeah, to look yeah. at them and see what they were, they're mm-hmm. Egyptian Cybermen. They they are humans that became robots to be more powerful than being human, and now they're not human at all. Mm-hmm. As yeah. a as a repercussion to that, oh, I love that. And uh, <laughs> they kind of have a Matrix theme going for them too. So, a lot of the models. In fact, there's one model I'm thinking of called a Can- Canapatech or Canatech Spider. It looks like that scene from the Matrix in the first movie where that spider goes to the eggs and like picks them up and moves them around it looks just like that (laughs) so hell yeah yeah there if you like the matrix and some of the mechanical parts of the matrix i definitely think they pulled some from inspiration from from the the matrix so all right um, what are some of the other factions or factions of the uh xenos so, and keep in mind, Xenos are not allied. So, unlike the Imperium and Chaos, you can't take Necrons with, like, Tyranids or Elves. They're their own oh. faction. Each of them is self-contained. So, Got you uh, reading my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, the next one, um, we'll just go over this because it's easy. Orcs. You're pretty standard, you know, in any fantasy or sci-fi game, you typically have orcs. These are just orcs. They're space orcs. They like to fight. <laughs> they are. They play like they have a ton of models. They're a horde army. What's you know what's called a horde army, which means there's a lot of models. Um, they can shoot a little bit. They fight a lot, and um, they run around the battlefield and 
more often than not cause random shit to happen, which throws your whole game plan off. <laughs> <laughs> so they're a lot of fun. Um, they're, I think, one of the most fun armies sounds in 40k. Like an orc. What was that? I said sounds like an orc to me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so they're easy to cover. Um, and then you have Tyranids and uh, Gene Stealer cults. So they're also super easy to cover, and I can do them quickly. And I'll have Corey talk about Tau because he's about to paint some, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, Tyranids are this bug-like slash dinosaur-like race. And they came from another galaxy, and they just feed. Their basic tenant is they want to eat and consume all biomatter in the entire universe. So they're kind of... If there is a like big, looming, bad guy... Um, I think the Tyranids are pro- probably it because they just want to consume. They don't give a shit what it is. And they also, <laughs> they're a hive mind. So they're one creature with, you know, different forms, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they also worry chaos because they block psychic abilities. <laughs> so um, that's why they kind of play the bad guy against chaos and the Imperium and all other life in the universe. Cause they just want to eat it and adapt and move on and eat more. So, um, but they play like similarly to the orcs, very swarmy, um, lots of models. Um, they're little bugs. They are faster than orcs though. Um, and they actually take a lot of maneuverability to play well, but when you play them, you think more about, how many models you have on the board and where they are rather than my unit can actually shoot or fight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You play them with board control in mind because they die. Like when I play my Tyranids, they get shot off quick. Like whole units of 30 dudes are just boom, boom. So that's numbers. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And that's kind of what they abide by. So, all right, and our last one, um, Tau, the Tau Empire, which, Corey, since I've been talking too much, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Take a breath. I'm here to save you. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, I don't want to talk about Tau. So, yeah. <laughs> the Tau themselves are an interesting interesting thing. I'm not uh, ultimately a huge fan of them, which is a learned response by me because I've been beaten up by Tau a lot. The Tau are the antithesis of my assault heavy army. The Tau are made for anyone who likes anime, kind of, big fighting robots are the Tau. They're this this competing empire with the Imperium that's very small in comparison, but they are this blue-skinned empire race that all believe in the one communistic belief of the greater good. They're all these different races of Tau under one species that believe in the greater good and if they can all work together they can they can make a better world and they can make an awesome empire but you have to buy into it together and with that they all have special battle suits they all wear special high mech armors and their specialty as a as a race and as an army is heavy gunfire they can't fight very well if you get them close they can't do they don't move exceptionally fast they move fast but not exceptionally fast their whole big thing is they will shoot you out of the sky where you stand and they're mobile so they'll move around shoot you as much as they can my army specifically likes to get in close and beat you up and they don't work well against tau because tau 
can shoot you before you even can get close. They've got a million shots. They're very hard to play against, and they are a very odd race to look at. They're, yeah. Yes. They're Did blue. that sum it up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't love them, but a lot of people do like them, and the people who like them really like them. It's, uh, they the speak to them. Guy. Sorry, I have that song stuck in my head now. <laughs> yeah. No, they're exactly that Abadiba Badai song. Um, they're very peaceful they're the antithesis of almost everything else in the game kind of Games Workshop made them to make a good guy almost yeah they yeah. are one of the m- I can most... see the finger quotes <laughs> no they're I think for the most part they're the good guys if you have one in the universe that actually practice kind of more de- democratic beliefs so mm-hmm. um if you're into like Japanese mecha anime, mm-hmm. you're gonna Gundam. love these guys. Gundam. Yeah, Gundam yeah. specifically. Um, yeah, cool. So those are the races. Um, any questions on that before we move into the three types of ways that you can play? Uh, I'm actually excited to learn how to play now. Now yeah. that I have a little bit of backstory under my belt, and you know, for our listeners too. Um, we want to give an overview of all these armies and the lore just so then you can, you know, maybe do some further research and look at some of these models and kind of figure out uh, where you stand. And that brings me to another point. Corey and I's philosophy on picking your army is go with what attracts you, not necessarily how they play, but maybe a little bit, but if you look at an army and you look at every model and you're like, holy mother of fuck, that is cool. <laughs> Go with that army because when you get into the hobby, you'll spend a lot of time. You know when authors write books and they tend to hate their own book? Some of that happens. <laughs> so, you know, I love, yeah. for example, I love Dark Angels. Like, I love the lore. I love everything. But I often find my time some, sometimes myself being like, why the hell do I have to paint this? Like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> you're going to spend so much time out of your day painting these guys, building these guys, and more importantly, spending if money you want on to, them. You know, if you perfect, want to, yeah. yeah. So you, you the the investment rate of this game is kind of high. It's not worth it to try to figure out what's good in the game right now. Mm-hmm. With Magic the Gathering, the meta is constantly changing too. They're very alike in that way. But a new deck of Magic cards might cost you 20 bucks, and you don't have to do anything about it. So you can do that quickly. But if the meta changes on your game, and all of a sudden your army is not good anymore, meta vocab word again is just the way the game plays. What the top armies rules. are at the time, yeah. Yeah. So if that changes and Games Workshop changes the rules a little to make it more balanced and all of a sudden your army is not good anymore and you don't like that army and you just played it to be good, it's not fun for you because now you wasted your time or money on that and you're just going to go buy another one. The and investment's not there. Yeah. And on that note, too, I, I just want to mention here as well. So from the inception of buying a model or a full roster of models a list 
it could take anywhere between, depending on the amount of time you have. During quarantine, maybe a little quicker, but it can take you a good six months to get those fully painted on, on the... You don't necessarily have to play with them fully painted, but fully built, painted on the, you know, on the field. Like, it could take six months to build up your roster if you invest a lot of time in it. So, in six months the game changes a lot like six months ago this i mean we're at a new edition now but you know six months ago <laughs> the top armies were so different than they are right now uh well sort of but <laughs> is this uh, is this a game that you can play generationally uh meaning yes. like are each of the editions compatible with the previous yes and that's a really good point too so these models i was talking to one of my buddies about this they're not a depreciating asset. So not to talk about getting out of the hobby, but these models <laughs> yeah. don't lose their value. So if you have a, you know, a space Marine army and you sell it five years later, most likely you may get a little less for it, but it'll retain its kind of retail value. Um, just because you can still use these old models and GW or games workshop is always producing, rules for these and making sure that you know your collection is for the most part playable yeah so these, this game itself yeah this game itself has been around since the late 80s and models from like the late 80s early 90s you can still play with today mm -hmm. it might not be advised but if you really wanted to put a list together with them or if you're playing you a more fun them. game you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so Mix it up a bit yeah so on that topic uh our last few minutes here we have gone for a while but um there are three ways to play there is something called open play which is throw everything you want to on a table and you just you know play um there's narrative play which is story-based play which is about so we're entering a new edition right now and they're redoing the way narrative campaigns are run so Right now is a really exciting time for narrative play in Warhammer because um, it's going to be a lot more awesome with uh, a, a little bit more like kind of D&D flavor to some of your characters while your army goes through its campaign. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah. No, no, I like that. I like that aspect, being able to like, you know, be part of your army, like, you know, give your army guys a little story. Oh, yeah. I think Corey <laughs> and I are most excited about this yeah <laughs> it allows um, you to play it. like yeah it allows you to play like a role-playing game while also playing this tactical war game mm. it builds story which which for me is important and yeah me too and we'll be actually i've mentioned this on other uh epi episodes but we're going to be launching kind of our own bauer report narrative campaign in the future so under the ninth edition rules that are being released. So it's going to be a good time. So look out for that. <laughs> but, and then the third way to play the more competitive way is called match play. So you and your opponent have a certain amount of points. So each guy costs a certain amount of points with the guns and powers he has. So you put that all together and you have a set point limit with all your guys and you play someone else with that same amount of points on a mission um so it's supposed to be theoretically more balanced and you're both coming to the table with about equal of what you can do 
So I have an oddball question. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing missions like that, um, do the missions are the missions specifically for like you have your own set of missions and then your opponent has their set of missions, or do you both share the same mission? So you both share the same mission. That's a great question. Okay. Um, gotcha. However, in some missions, you have your own ways that you're each scoring points differently. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. Um, can you work together with your opponent to complete no. uh, missions, or is it no. ultimately being okay? It's ultimately about being. Against <laughs> it's only okay. war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the grim darkness of the future, Joshua, there is only war. Yes, I I need to remember that as the constant optimist here. <laughs> <laughs> However, that being said, you can do like, I don't think in match play you'll ever see this or at tournaments, but you can. I've played, you know four-way games where you team up with a buddy and you are playing to achieve the missions you know uh one side versus the other so it is doable but a lot of a lot of match play can boil down to a lot of match play can boil down to basically almost like capture the flag where there are different uh mission points or, or different objectives that you have to get to and hold yeah so each mission's different, each style's different, but if you want to boil it down to a very simple understanding, it's a lot of capture the flag mentality where you want to get to this point, you want to hold it, and you want to score points while doing that. Mixed with battle tactics. So, you know, who you exactly. shoot at, where do you move to counter a unit? Do you infiltrate behind enemy lines? You know, so there's a lot of war, actual war tactics involved in the game as well. So, um, yeah. And most people, when they talk about playing the game, are talking about match play. That's just kind of how it is. But so I guess um, let's just open it up, Josh. Any you know, kind of conclude. We've talked a lot, so <laughs> a lot. Yeah, and you you guys have done an amazing job at, at you know just kind of like the pinpointing like the like the biggest points of all these things because I know they're or, you know, days and days of uh, information that you can have for each of these different factions and each of your different styles of play and such. Um, oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I know, I know uh, one, one question that I meant to ask at the beginning was, um, so do you need a specific, like, play mat to play on, or is it kind of like, you know, any card game uh, where you can just kind of like, you know, this is the dining room table and this is our play space, kind of? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know about Corey, but I've played a mix of both. <laughs> I've done like <laughs> on the floor, just me- tape measuring out what the battlefield is. I've done at a table, um, with like putting a coffee cup down and being like, this is a tower. <laughs> yeah. So the basic, the basic okay, game so table, yeah, the basic game table is a four by six table, which we covered before, mm-hmm. but just to, to, so you can picture it in your mind. Usually there's a mat and you could buy mats that are kind of expensive and they have different items on it. But then you also add to that mat items that we call terrain, which are buildings and mountains and trees and things that can obscure lines of sight. So when playing, you have your army, but then you also have boards with mats and terrain. And no matter where you are, you could always play a game of Warhammer. You just need to use your... Uh, you use your imagination a little bit. So like like Steven was saying, if you want to play on a floor in a space that you know is four by six and you want to use a 
coffee can as a building and you want to say that this stapler over here is a tunnel or something, mm-hmm. you can do that. It might not be as much fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very much, you can play it wherever your imagination allows you to play. And to, uh, on that note, it is a lot of fun to play with two fully painted armies on a fully painted, gorgeous <laughs> table. It just, there's just something about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's worth it's worth the time and effort you put into it oh yeah like you, you're yeah you're you're getting out of it what you put into it yeah that's a, yeah definitely at the end of the day it's a very it's a very cinematic experience mm-hmm. if you do it correctly yeah uh, oh, I, I, I love that um go ahead steven uh no do you any so like any more questions because i know we've just gone on pretty long today so. yeah <laughs> um just just for my own uh curiosity uh cory i know how you got into warhammer but steven what drew you to uh warhammer ultimately? well funny you or, asked 40- that because i just released an episode <laughs> oh snap i'm behind on my times i'm yeah. so sorry <laughs> um but uh, there's a lot of different reasons i think one gets into it um you know some superficial like you want to play a fun war game uh others more deep like um you're feeling lonely and need something, you know, like you, they can get like that. But, um, I used to play as a kid. That's actually why I came back to it. That's the main, you know, that's primary. I heard about it when I was a kid going to a game shop, mm-hmm. playing magic dungeons and dragons and uh, got mm-hmm. into 40 K. So I've always knew it was around and always loved it. Um, just took me a while to come back. So, yeah. But it's a name everyone has in the back of their in the back of their minds, whether they know it or not. It's just when do you give in to it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. But <laughs> one by yep. one, we'll take you. <laughs> the emperor protects, right, Corey? <laughs> I mean, don't well, ask me. Ask my wife. Right. <laughs> when your wife starts playing, that's when I'll know you've. <laughs> you know what? She called me boring the other day. Uh, oh. We were talking about it, and. And I, this isn't me airing dirty laundry. It's just funny because I try to win her over to the game little by little, and I show her different armies. And then every time I show her a cooler army, like the Harlequins caught her attention the other day. She loved it. She thought this was really cool. How is this the same universe? And then she looks at my guys because I'm a Space Marine fanatic, and she just goes, well, that just looks boring. Like, why, do you, why do you play that army? And I'm like, I don't know, dear. I guess I'm boring. I don't know. Uh, um, Lou called. Okay, and this is irony. I think so. He's an Imperial Guard player, which to me is the most boring of boring. <laughs> like they're normal army dudes with tanks. Like you can fucking go out and do that yourself, you know. <laughs> like you know, go to a shooting range and you can be an Imperial Guardsman, you know. So um, don't tell the Empire that. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> called Space Marines boring, and I just like was like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, everyone has their uh you know everyone has their taste and i i also play uh dark eldar and tyranids and those are definitely more colorful armies than space marines in a different way they're more evil i think (laughs) they definitely have a lot more story to the way they look they don't just look like your everyday army man or your everyday space soldier when you look at things like dark eldar you know there's a story there yeah and you know that they have a crazy sculpt yeah (laughs) or when you look at tyranids you think oh jurassic park on lsd (laughs) 
Yeah, or like uh, Starship Troopers or yeah. Ender's Game. Yeah, it's definitely Starship Starship Troopers esque. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is a great place for us to end. Um, thank you both for having us uh, have having us. Thank you both for being on today's call. Um, follow us at Foxtrot Battleline five one nine eight on Instagram. Our Facebook will be up soon. We're really excited because we have a website coming real, real soon. Um, it's in the works. You can actually go to our coming soon page at foxtrotbattleline.com. Um, in addition to that, um, uh, you can send us an email, shoot us a question, any concern, um, any comment at foxtrotbattleline at gmail.com. Um, and our next on will be a more deep dive into Astra Militarum. Uh, again, thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Stephen. Without further ado, we'll get you back to your day. Thanks so much.